Namaste and good evening. Welcome to the Thursday 10 p.m. show, which is an English show, as you know. And uh, we have, as always, Shri Vibhuti Ja. And today we are joined by Pandit Satish Sharma from London. Welcome, Pandit Ji. Welcome. Jai Shri Ram. Jai Shri Ram to everybody. Jai Shri Ram. Jai Shri Ram. Jai Shri Ram. Well. And happy Karvachot to all of our sisters all over the world. Indeed. May the may the moon declare itself as soon as possible to everybody who's desperately waiting for its manifestation. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, you're very lyrical <laughs> today, as you should be. Uh, He's always lyrical and poetic. Oh, yes. We were talking about uh, today's topic, of course, is that uh, there is a global globalization of hate. And that's a fact. And uh, uh, that's, that's just a statement of fact. Now, is it affecting the Indians disproportionately because of their own success and because of a rising India? Pandeji. What a wonderful place to start, Sanjayji. Of course, it's affecting us. Uh, we are like um, a community who paddles our boat across turbulent waters. Now, what we have discovered is that there are agents of chaos who are creating such turbulent waters, we have no choice but to recognize their existence. You can't have a tranquil boat journey when there is a storm all around us. And increasingly, our little quiet, tranquil silos around the world where we quietly contribute to the communities, build societies, help create um, wealth and prosperity and happiness, that can't exist when the tide is rising and the tide is a, a tide of chaos. So yes, the sooner we recognize that this is not a temporary phenomenon, that there are deep, deep currents in the affairs of humanity and society, which are now beginning to be seen. Normally deep currents are only detected by those people who dive deeply. And most, most of us, we just see the ripples on the surface of the water. But those deep, deep currents, which have been moving for a while are now being felt on the surface. We as a community need to perhaps dive a little bit deeper and understand what's going on. Otherwise, our boats will be um, extremely difficult to navigate. And uh, unless we are genuinely careful and work out what's going on, I, I fear that there are there are rocks around us as well. So we do have to really start to pay attention to this. This is a phenomenon that we can understand, that we're capable of understanding, and we are capable of influencing the outcomes, but it requires very, very dynamic, active engagement from us. We can see that. In fact, uh, we just had uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard making a statement the day before yesterday. We saw that only yesterday. And what she said, it seems to sum up where the West is going. And uh, uh, it's not only a racial kind of a engagement, a kind of a deracination that is happening in the West, and they become anti-white, and then they co-opt Indians into it. That seems to be happening uh, everywhere. We'll just play the video of uh, Tulsi Gabbard and uh, reflect on what she said. Remain in today's Democratic Party. That's 
I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. Very powerful words, very powerful words, almost Lincoln-esque, I would say. Vibhuti ji, is it having a ripple in the United it is, States? It is having a very big ripple. And I must tell you, tell all the viewers, I'm seeing the comments here. They were all expecting Tulsi ji to be here today. And uh, I want to tell them that I have reached out to her. I have personally met her and I've supported her campaign when she was a presidential candidate. And... Uh, and I've got a message from her office that she will revert back soon. All, as all of us would know that she has tremendous pressure on her time and commitment. And I do hope that we will hear from her. That said, she has always been on the forefront of change. And she has always been a remarkably bold and brave about her statements. And, uh, you know, she is so bold and brave that she knocked off Kamala Harris from the presidential race altogether in the very first debate. So let's give her the credit for being the voice of reason, the voice of sensibility, and she tells the truth as she sees it. And it's very difficult to disagree with what she's saying. And that's true. Panditji referred to, uh, the, 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 he used the word chaos. And uh, I have said that Democratic Party is the agent of chaos in this country right now. They are doing everything from A to Z to dismantle the 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 american content the way it is so it's really a sad scenario this particular upcoming election on november 8th which is just a few weeks away in which i'm also contesting uh, it is a it is right now a decisive moment in america and the decisive moment in the sense that uh, democratic party is off the rails and you see democratic party's belligerence in such a way that people with 30 40 50 Offenses, arrests, they are let go by the judicial system. Cops are fearing whether a 911 call is a trap or an ambush. And you every day see even the SWAT team, three people were shot and hurt by one man who went to attend to a, a, a call of domestic violence between two brothers. And they were greeted with fire. When you have thus such an undermining of the system, which is what is tragedy in this country right now, what we are seeing is an undermining of a very successful system that is working. And that's what is tragic. And, you know, one of the things is that 
you know, this country that tries to export its own version of democracy is failing in its own implementation and living up to that thing. So my question to Sharmaji would be very simple, is that the rise of, uh, you know, awareness amongst the Hindus that has happened, how much has technology to do with it? Suddenly, Hindus have found. Uh, 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 let 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 me supplement that. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, we also heard uh, uh, we were talking about Indians becoming a target, but we also heard Tulsi say that the system is hostile to people of faith and spirituality. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's such a a powerful statement. People of our adhyatmic orientation. We are ultimately people of tranquility. We seek tranquility so that we can see reality. You know, asatoma satgamaya is the desire to be able to see what's real. And in order to get there, our journey is one of overcoming all of those things that trigger us. If you have a look at what the left does and the extreme left do, is they have weaponized the capacity to trigger humanity. Rather than people actually thinking deeply about any particular issue, there is now a knee-jerk response available, and it's seeded and planted in so many people. But when you get people who have been emotionally groomed in that way, then all you need to do is create an environment where the manner in which you have groomed them can be triggered to get a hostile response. This is how the far left has always functioned. The, the, the Nazis themselves, remember, were a socialist party an extreme party on the left who worked out how to trigger hate, how to seed hate, create fear, and then trigger violence and create chaos for societal change. One, one thing that struck me when I was listening to Tulsiji, it reminded me of a, a remark that was made by um, Ram Surupji when he was talking to Sitaram Goyal. And uh, Sitaramji said to him that, um, I have completed my journey. I used to be a socialist and I used to be on the left and so on, but now I don't think that it actually makes sense. And uh, Ram Srupji wrote back to him saying, you know, you are too intelligent not to become a communist, but you're also too intelligent to remain one for long. And so when I was listening to Tulsiji, it struck me that she has made the same journey. You know, people have heart. I, I think it was a French philosopher who said, if you're not a socialist in your 20s, then you have no heart. But if you're still a socialist in your 30s and 40s, then you have no brain. And, uh -huh. you know, if I can sort of extrapolate that across history. And, and <laughs> Joe Biden has been walking without a brain for 50 years. Well, he is the pinnacle of the socialist experiment. And, you know, there is a, uh, not much more uh, evidence required to, to, to provide proof of that particular pudding, shall we say. But I'm also reminded of the journey of our Sikh Gurus, how Guru Nanak Ji started with this notion of interfaith harmony and everyone being a child of divinity, etc. And after a short period of time, we then arrive in terms of history, we then arrive at Guru Gobind Singh, who has realized that in fact, there are instances where you have to challenge chaos and violence. You have to challenge barbarism and you have to use all of the means at your disposal. And so I think Dulciji has made a bit of a, a journey. She's had a, a moment of revelation on the, the road to Damascus, although I think it's probably the road to Varanasi or somewhere else like that. But uh, she has had this revelation. And this revelation, I think, is seismic. There is a, an understanding, isn't there, that satya, that's truth, when it's articulated, 
each of us, we feel it deeply. When you listen to what Dulciji was saying, the first thing that shouts out to you is integrity. She is speaking with complete integrity, and that really resonates. I think it was St. Augustine who once said that truth doesn't need to be defended. It's a lion, and all you need to do is unleash it. And listening to her speech, it was apparent that what she had done was unleashed a truth that most of us already know is there. But she gave it voice, and it now allows everybody else to, to give it uh, consideration. I think it's a pivotal statement. Um, Vibhutiji, you mentioned technology. We are seeing the speed with which technology can cause change in people's thoughts, hearts, and minds. Her voice, her words have resonated in so many corners around the world, carried on the wings of this technology that we now have available to us. That gives me a great deal of hope. I'm fairly, I'm fairly comfortable that if the adhyatmic, the dharmic, the people of spiritual um, journeying who Tulsiji referred to, manage to get clarity of thinking, we can actually reverse the harm that has been done by leveraging what's available. And we have a unique, a unique position of influence and contribution to make in this space. In this context, uh, in this context, you've seen a lot happen uh, in the United Kingdom, specifically Western. And, uh, we've seen how these forces that are hostile to faith and spirituality, they triggered another of those anti-spiritual forces that's called Islam. And uh, the left also supported them. And you had this situation over there. How do you view that? Firstly, once the shock had passed and the surprise had passed, it was a shock for most of our community and indeed the indigenous community that Leicester, which has 46% Hindus, Indian origin, um, indigenous people, um, that such a large community would become the target of such mindless violence. This was a shock in its own right. It was never expected to happen there. Perhaps in areas where more um, aggressive, assertive, violent ideologies had larger numbers, we had thought, okay, that's where it's happening. The ghettoization, um, the process of uh, subliminal ethnic cleansing that has been going on in many of these ghettos, it was visible elsewhere, but not. it was totally a shock in Leicester. But what you have said is, uh, it really rings an alarm bell also, because it shows us that the ideology which fueled ethnic cleansing in so many other parts of the world can be triggered, it's present. And the, the, the worrying aspect of it is that the state and the authorities to whom we delegate the responsibility for our safety, they have been demonstrably absent in fulfilling that responsibility. This is a realization that is slowly dawning, you know, as a, a community which buys into the principle of policing by consent. You know, we have given the right, the authority to wield force for our protection to the police. And we say we will not bear arms, we will not carry weapons, because we give that authority to yourselves. But what happens when that authority that we have delegated is found to be wanting? This is one of the questions that the Hindu community here is having now to, to reconsider. Um, a while ago, um, in 2014, 
I remember doing uh, a program with uh, Dr. Swamiji on one of his channels where I put forward a hypothesis that a time will come when Hindus in the United Kingdom will be considering Gharvapasi. And there were four or five steps which identified which would need to manifest before it got to that stage. And we have made dramatic progress along those various steps. There's only one step left. And um, I don't want to articulate it. Um, I don't want to contribute towards its manifestation. But I can see a time that unless the state steps forward and fulfills its obligations, we will have a situation of Gharvapasi. And that is not too far. I mean, I'm saying these things. And this is a change that has happened in the last two months. Two months ago, if somebody had said it's possible for ethnic cleansing to happen in such a short space of time in Leicester, everybody would have laughed and said, no, no, it's not possible. And yet history teaches that these, these changes happen so, so quickly. It's not a coincidence that Leicester has been for such a long period of time a Labour-dominated um, area. The Labour Party have dominated it. They have, um, shall we say, very deep roots in all aspects of governance, in all aspects of the civil administration. And so it is a, a, a remarkable coincidence that a, a deeply leftist, um, shall we say, a constituency is the first constituency in where Islamists openly exercise a policy of ethnic cleansing. Um, Sanjayji, I don't know whether you have heard, but um, even more revelations are now coming out. Uh, only this morning, the Lord Mayor, the Mayor of the City of Leicester, Sir Peter Soulsby, he made some remarks. Firstly, he said that he's initiating an inquiry, which everybody thought this is wonderful. And every person of uh, reason and, um, shall we say, good sense knows that an inquiry is only as good as its independence. So we were stunned and surprised that he then went on to say that, yes, there is uh, evidence of RSS, uh, of foreign ideologies having been present as uh, uh, contributory factors. Doesn't that influence any inquiry? You know, it completely turns the whole principle of an independent inquiry on its head. And yet it's well, he might have been talking about Islam as an ideology. No, um, he was quite explicit about the ideologies he was referring to. And, um, you know, this has now caused a, a bit of a, a, a shock, shall we say, and people in our community are saying, well, hold on one moment. Firstly, we were attacked, then we were vilified, then the national press launched an attack in terms of uh, uh, making allegations that were unfounded. And now all of a sudden, the mechanisms for justice, the mechanisms for inquiry, they too seem to be taking a stance which is far from equal, far from unbiased, and so, uh, as I've said before, we are being educated in the reality. And uh, this reality really needs to be understood and embraced and responded to with a sense of urgency. We cannot pretend that we are in the dharmic world that we like to believe. There is an adharmic world which is also now beginning to make its presence very strongly felt for us. There is something similar happening. Yeah, I was... Uh, I was... Yeah, Leicester was a shock to the and system. The Leicester, and, and the, the, the interesting thing is that uh, uh, the community has been uh, mostly voting Labour, just as right. uh, the community has been voting uh, Democratic in the United States. That's right. And uh, whatever these so-called progressives, I think they have gone left of the left. 
that's exactly the point and i wanted to hear panditji's view there is a question has been asked here and it is a concern here that can a lester happen in the united states it may not happen in park avenue in manhattan or long island here in new york where i am or it beverly hills but it could it could very easily happen in cerritos in california anaheim in california it could very well happen in jackson heights in new york or queens areas where there is a predominance of communities living there and particularly when as you very rightly pointed out sanjay ji that 80% of the indians have been voting democrat in this country but so what do you think in your perspective sharma ji do you think it's possible although my i will juxtapose it by my thought i feel fear is a serious concern is serious but the probability may 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 not exist your thoughts on that gee i would take a, a slightly different um position i would go as far as to say yes it will happen it will happen faster than you can possibly expect it will happen in places that you never anticipated it happening because there is a dynamic there is a mechanism there is a process which has been launched and this process has a number of steps and it's been deployed against the sanatani family and also other communities time and time again right and and our our community struggles to acknowledge the reality because if you acknowledge the reality then you are required to act and very few people have um, become habitually capable of acting irrespective of whatever is required in order to defend themselves in order to protect their investments in order to protect their businesses and this is the the, the major weakness that we actually have it will happen and our community needs to abandon this um satvik ahankar which seems to find some sort of uh, um self congratulatory um virtue in being impotent and being sort of uh, above all of these terrible things which are, uh, are the domain of barbarians and uncivilized people this is a handicap for us it prevents us from seeing exactly what is unrolling in front of us any student of history any student of these ideologies any students of the mechanics of how hatred has been seeded in the past and leveraged any person who has studied the history of the jewish people will recognize that it was nothing to do with the jewish people themselves which brought hardship upon them it was because other entities had decided that those jewish people did not fit into their vision of the future this is the classic dilemma which duryodhan and arjun and the pandavas and everybody was stuck in this was the the chakra view which had to be broken they didn't realize that their very existence was a threat to duryodhan's philosophy and world view and and desires for the future that there was nothing they could do because their very being who they were how they identified themselves and their value system that itself was the threat and as long as that value system exists to undermine the foundations of more aggressive value systems we will be targets so it's going to happen it will happen very very quickly and we really do need members of our community who have been supporting ideologies political parties without doing the appropriate due diligence and research into what their drivers were what their destiny and their goals were 
those members of our community who have been making these, um, uh, shall we say, contributions and supporting them, they are culpable. The gentlemen, the group of gentlemen who raised millions for the democratic election and um, from our Hindu Indian American community, they are culpable. They have participated in bringing about today's reality. They were negligent in not understanding the direction of travel. There is still time for them to step forward and get involved in saving, um, shall we say, our communities and indeed the American dream. You know, all of these are under threat and we need to become more mature. We need to be not so tribal. We need to be able to scrutinize policies. We need to be able to scrutinize allegiances, who is paying these various political parties, what is their desire. And that's the only way in which we are going to fend off what I'm, I'm fairly sure, certain is actually approaching. There is no doubt about it, um, Vibhutiji, it will happen faster than anybody ever expects. It always does. Now, I will just ask a follow-up uh, on that. Just one you... minute. Let sure. me request the yeah. viewers for questions. Please ask your questions, shoot your questions to Panditji. And um, you can do that through WhatsApp as well as through the Super Chat. Yes, Vibhutiji. Yeah. My, my, the, the, since you have confirmed the inevitability of it happening, not not about no doubt about that, but when it will happen, we do not know. But as the saying goes, we have to do our own self-reflection. And you you lamented about that, that we are so lost in, in our own little, you know, ahankar of knowledge, that it, it worries to the extent that are we such shatranj ke khiladi, to use the famous phrase, or have we become lotus eaters that we don't see the bleeding obvious? And why? The Upanishads repeat time and time again, learn to see. You know, Asatoma Satgamaya, we are people who seek darshan. We are people who understand that the mind is actually the least capable tool with which to understand reality. And the capacity to see clearly is much, much um, higher. Wisdom is something that is revealed, uh, whereas confusion is something that can be indoctrinated. And this is a, a harsh fact for us to recognize. We pride ourselves, generally speaking, on our um, intellect, on our superior understanding, and so on and so forth. And all of those are deeply, deeply flawed tools with which to navigate the future. We have to recognize the reality, and the reality is very, very simple. The reality is that for a long period of time, our view of existence has been targeted. It has been threatened ever since the Turks came over into that part of the world. And it has never ceased, and it won't cease. We have to understand this. We need to recognize that there are people who profit from chaos. There are people who are asset strippers, civilizational asset strippers. They love to try and take whatever they see of, as value irrespective of the cost of taking that from the source civilization. This is the level of their own existence and understanding. What is it that prevents us from recognizing that? We need to do this in, in introspection. You know, one thing that we should really, in Punjabi, we have a wonderful saying about weddings, that you always have to be wary of the guest who looks for somebody else's family wedding to go and get drunk and to pick fights, right? Because after the wedding's over, that person will have gone but the wedding itself will have been devastated. If you have a look at battlegrounds, look at Ukraine at the moment, 
no matter what happens, who wins, Ukraine has become the loser. And so again, there are people who are seeking battlegrounds where they can go and wage some sort of notional conflict with no other intention than destroying the battleground. There are people who want to do exactly the same to Bharat, create conflict there, create strife, create friction, with no intention of some superior understanding being established, no intention of a better way of living being established, the only intention being to destroy and deconstruct the battleground. We need to recognize this as the reality. And it's only once we recognize this as the reality that we then have the opportunity to summon the courage to do something about it. And once you summon that courage and start to engage with the problem, all of a sudden you start to see dharma rakshiti rakshita in action. You start to see the much wider brahmand actually participating and supporting your activities. So this is the journey that we have to make, Vibhutiji. This is the journey that most of us who are um, civilizational aristocrats, and that's I don't mean that in a good way, we have to recognize that uh, there is a, a need for us to look at the reality and face the reality as it is. You know, Ramchandraji was Maryada Purshottam. He, he was the, 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 the ideal, the, the role model in so many areas. And he recognized that there was a time when what you have to do is engage and change to adapt to the circumstances that are confronting you. From the young man who was educated by the gurus when he was only 16, he grew into the person who built an army and then challenged Adharma um, and took the, the challenge to its logical conclusion. This is the, the situation that we're finding ourselves in. I wonder sometimes whether we are doing enough to prepare our next generation in terms of having them understand what Maryada Purushottam really means. And maybe this is a Diwali that is approaching. Maybe we should recognize the deeper meaning of what um, Diwali is. We should recognize the period that um, the, uh, the, the Ram Parivad behind me had to go through before Ayodhya was lit with light and uh, festivities. There is a lesson there that we are being taught. We should embrace that lesson, find the courage, and for the good of many, many people, do what uh, Tulsiji has done, which is our team and find a way to actually make that reality. So important. Yeah, quite right. I think uh, you put it beautifully. Uh, you think that uh, the Indians uh, living in India and the Indian government can have a role in protecting our overseas citizens who so we very proudly and very happily uh, give the recognition of overseas citizens of India. Does that also bestow a concomitant duty on the, the Indians and on the government of India? Vibhutiji, would you like to speak to that first before I... Um, no, uh, please go uh, ahead. Please go ahead. Okay. The question is direct to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sanjayji, this is a, an interesting relationship which we are seeing evolve on a daily basis. When I think back to the number of high commissioners here in the United Kingdom over the last couple of decades, certainly the last decade who I've interacted with, they had absolutely no notion of an obligation or the existence of a, a deeper relationship with the diaspora community. 
it was almost crystal clear that you guys are British citizens. We are here to represent the interests of Indian citizens. And if there are minor things that we can facilitate, such as consular activities, then we'll do that. And that was the extent of it. There was very little um, support. There was very little, um, even, shall we say, a welcoming desire to embrace each other. But that, I would say that has changed dramatically in the last four or five years. And we're seeing it change. Um, even at this moment in time, some of the rhetoric and some of the conversation that is now uh, we can witness from the MEA, it seems to indicate that there is an appreciation that the diaspora is actually um, an appendage, uh, a civilizational extension, uh, a tentacle which um, can con can transparently and um, positively project dharmic civilizational, Bharatiya, Rashtra civilizational values into every corner of the world. I think that has been recognized. How that's going to be implemented is something that's now being worked out. I'm actually quite positive about um, that, that that aspect. Sanjiji, there's one other thing that I, uh, shall we say, a thought has arisen in response to your question. Bharat has a genuine democracy, more of a democracy than the vast majority of the European nations and certainly more of a democracy than America. I've, I wrote a little bit of an analysis uh, a few years ago in which I referred to the European democracies as sham democracies, that behind them are the, still the colonial establishment structure, and they have hidden behind these sham democracies, and the population engages in trying to work out some way, is it going to be socialist, is it going to be capitalist, how are we going to organize our affairs, and I think it was Chomsky who said that the best way to misdirect and uh, completely engage a, uh, a population is to create an environment in which deep and intense engagement and turmoil can be addressed with, but have a framework that nobody can ever break out of the framework. So you have the impression that you're engaging with change and evolution without ever glimpsing the framework underneath, which prevents real evolution from changing. And frankly speaking, what I think is happening in America is people are recognizing that there is a framework which actually prevents societal change from occurring. Now in Bharat, we are seeing that sort of societal change occur in concordance, in harmony with the wishes of the majority population. And I think the Western powers are probably deeply, deeply concerned at the appearance of a genuine dharmic democracy. And a dharmic democracy, which when it existed in full flow in the past, it was it created a powerhouse of human evolution, huge GDP, massive leaps forward in the human condition and human consciousness and the understanding of the world that we live in. So I think that the, the West is actually concerned. It sees that its sham democracies are now being revealed and being detected on a daily basis. And in Bharat, it sees the appearance of a genuine uh, a dharmocracy, a genuine dharmic democracy. And so this is the opportunity. I think if Bharat can deliver a fully fledged dharmic democracy, there is an opportunity for the rest of the world to follow suit. And in that world, anybody who is connected with the principle set, the value set, the, the, the ways in which we execute the functioning of a dharmocracy, those people can contribute towards the evolution of Western sham democracies. 
Okay, this is a request uh, the viewers who are watching to please like the video and also, of course, uh, please do share the video and all the new viewers, please subscribe to the channel. Now, you talked about democracy. Now, that's a wonderful concept and uh, we are trying to build a democracy here. But uh, there's something that struck me, really, you know, and that is a huge change uh, in the 10 years that uh, uh, my interaction with the rest of the world, particularly with the West, has been. That uh, we used to feel that uh, West has got freedoms. Now suddenly we realize that uh, things like cancel culture, things like uh, uh, repressing your voice, your uh, conditioning you to speak only what the establishment wants, that seems to have taken a stranglehold especially in the USA, but since the USA is in the vanguard of the Western model of democracy, it seems to be taking root elsewhere. Whereas uh, we feel far freer over here in India, where the left has been dominant for, you know, uh, how many years, how many decades? Well, I talked of sham democracies if we wind the clock back a little bit america was established largely by two types of people one group one group of working class people who were fleeing the horrors of a tyrannical monarchy and aristocracy in the united kingdom remember they fled what was pretty much poverty they were confined in a class system which limited their activities there was no freedom here and they fled this country and risked the hardship and the dangers of a transatlantic crossing to go to a war. Well, that was one group of people who left. But the other group of people were also the same people who left this country, but left as representatives of the British monarchy and British power. You know, the American Civil War was that rift. It was that time, that conflict where America tried to break free of those same tyrannical forces. I don't believe that America ever truly broke free of those tyrannical forces which were established on colonialism and slavery. I think what has happened is that those forces learned how to present themselves in a different manner so that they could then lay their roots. And their functioning has always been the creation of chaos, the creation of conflict, divide and rule is as present and as prevalent in the United States as it ever was in any of the, any of the colonies. The left versus the right, you know, the um, what Tulsi Gabarji has just articulated, a cabal of warmongers, isn't that the policy of divide and rule in action? You know, if we have a look at this same mindset, it's still doing its mischief all over the world. The Rwanda experience, where peaceful people were suddenly at each other's throats, so much so that they killed 800,000 of their own countrymen before that tide of hatred had passed. And that wasn't by accident, that was by design. So yes, from one perspective, we are seeing the West do what it always has done. And I really do at times have a concern for the well-being of the non-1% in the West who I think are going to be uh, in very, very uh, great difficulty. The East, on the other hand, 
has uh, another opportunity. When I say East, I suppose I should say the global South, really. This uh, appearance of the BRICS community. If that BRICS community does manage to come together, it poses such a powerhouse economic challenge to the West's, shall we say, financial cabal. And that is also something which they have taken into account, which is why target Narendra Modi. Can you imagine at the heart of BRICS a dharmic, democratic powerhouse, which is economically strong, challenging the hegemony of the West's financial systems? This is another reason for why we are going to see Project Target Modi suddenly take on a whole different dimension in the next 12 months. Every aspect of what can we do to denigrate and vilify the appearance of this democracy will be focused on destroying the chance of the BJP being re-elected. These are the, uh, the next uh, six to um, 12 months that I foresee for us. Coming back to that particular thing that you referred to, Mr. Modi, and uh, coming and the arising of the Hindu party, it's very important to bear in mind that demolish Modi, or you know, conversation started was well, started by George Soros, who committed a billion dollar of his own funds to destabilize Hindu philosophy and our way of life and Prime Minister Modi. As a result of which. You know, you are seeing the attacks going far with greater violence and greater rapidity. And it's becoming more and more vicious. And whatever Prime Minister Modi will try, it will be labeled as anti-minority. It will be labeled as uh, rise of Hindutva. It, it will be labeled again as, uh, you know, not caring for people. In, at the bottom of it all is the rise of Sanatan, what you referred to earlier on. The rise of Sanatan, thanks to science and technology, is rampant. Natural laws are gaining momentum. Thus, West probably fears the Indian growth story. And that he has done a remarkably well, good job of uniting the, the Indian diaspora globally. But I'm also referring to another element that you talked about. You referred to Tulsiji's conversation about the warmongers. Look at what is happening in Ukraine. There is nobody trying to stop the war, but every European supporter of Ukraine, whether it's supporter or not, I do not know. It is a country is done. Country is done. Somebody will make money by construction, reconstruction work that will happen. But everybody is saying we will supply weapons so they can they can fight the Russians. Nobody is talking about stopping the war. And I think Tulsi, Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard has been amazingly bold about it because even in a presidential bid, she talked about, as a soldier who has been to several tours to Afghanistan, she saw these things happen and she recognized that how the machine is operating. Do you think the establishment of the United States will let her succeed in her mission? Well, who knows? Um, she is a Bhagat of uh, the Bhagavad Gita and um, follows the guidance of uh, Bhagwan Sri Krishna. And she is doing her duty. You know, she, she made a few very remarkable statements in her um, resignation speech or her departure speech. Do you remember she said that the mainstream had vilified her to the degree of saying that she was a Russian asset? Right. Okay. Can you imagine the power and the confidence and also the desperation 
in a mainstream media which is able to go that far on the basis of zero evidence whatsoever. It felt it needed to be able to do that. It felt it could do that. That was over there in the, uh, in the Americas. Here in the United Kingdom, we have had attacks on a completely integrated and very well-functioning Hindu community. And out of nowhere, the attacks have been directed and the, the voice is saying there are Hindu fascists associated with Prime Minister Modiji. Nobody has found any evidence of it, but it's the same media which is trying to build up this rhetoric of hate and fear so that it can then escalate and move towards chaos. You know, it doesn't take too much research to recollect the number of American leaders who swore, who gave oaths, who signed treaties and committed to the simple statement that NATO will not move one inch towards Russia. And yet all of them lied. All of them have abandoned the statements they made and plowed into Ukraine. And this is poking the bear. So there is no integrity in this cabal. There is no uh, dignity. There is no honor. There is no um, validity. There is no basis in just law behind the actions that are being undertaken by this cabal that uh, Tulsiji has alluded to. And when this set of situations arise, the one thing which stops it is when enough people, enough common people who are always in the majority, remember it's the toxic minorities who are the warmongers and the fascists who cause these difficulties in human uh, progress. When enough decent, simple people manage to see that evil exists in their midst, that there are small numbers of people causing the difficulties nationally and internationally and then speak with one voice that is the only thing that has ever changed the course of human history and prevented wholesale devastation and we're in exactly the same place Dulce G's voice is an appeal to the average american is an appeal to the simple people who just want to get on and have decent lives with a degree of safety and comfort where they can receive the benefits of their labors. That's all the vast majority of humanity want. And she is speaking directly to them. Prime Minister Modiji speaks directly to the same demographic. The one area that we've been weak is that this war is being fought in the Anglophone sphere. This Kurukshetra, this war of words, this changing the rhetoric and everything else is being fought most in the Anglophone sphere. And we are only, we're relative latecomers to this battleground. But um, Sanjayji, your initiatives with Jaipur Dialogues, the other initiatives of other YouTubers and other media who are now saying we have to be able to engage in this space is making a huge, huge contribution. And we're catching up on lost ground very, very quickly. Just imagine if the average Bharatiya citizen becomes fully aware of what's going on in this space and decides to engage with it. Increasingly, we're seeing that. The success of the BJP is indicative. You know, 180 million and then 229 million people supporting this BJP party. This is indicative of the common man, the average citizen, wanting to say, we want a peaceful, tranquil, harmonious, prosperous way of living. And if you can energize and motivate that demographic in every country, all of a sudden, dramatic change happens. And it doesn't matter whether it's the United States, it doesn't matter whether it's Iran, where the simple people are taking off their hijabs and saying, nope, we do not want the imposition of this uh, toxic masculinity. 
and uh, change is happening. It's always a difficult time, but I'm very, very confident that this is going to be our next evolutionary step. Before I move to the question, just one comment. Okay. That uh, this could be an inflection point, especially because uh, once the diaspora rediscovers its roots, then uh, it has its own unique way, and I think it has uh, disproportionately large powers to put pressure on the Indian government to go the dharmic way and make it a dharmocracy. So I think there can be a very big resonance, very big resonance. That's that's quite possible. And I wholeheartedly agree, completely agree with your um, observation there. And I'm sure Vibhutiji will also agree with that. Yes. There is a, a meeting of minds and voices which is expanding the, uh, the vibration of dharmic uh, understanding uh, into the Anglophone sphere. And yes, for that, we must thank the progressives of the Labour Party and of uh, <laughs> the Democratic Party yeah. in the United States for letting go, and uh, also for the Republicans and the Conservatives to realize that uh, it's no. Uh, they're not doing a great service to themselves by being far-right Christians. And, well, uh, not just anybody can awaken Kumbhakarn. And we are, we are grateful for their diligence and their commitment to awakening the, the sleeping uh, Sanatani. Um, the Kumbhakarn Nidra is now slowly being disturbed. So we appreciate their um, contribution. Yes, yes, awakening yes. is happening. And so, so thank, thank, you. thank you to old Bill and thank you to Liz Truss. Yes. Thank you to what's that uh, stupid home minister that you got right now? Oh, yes. she's working. She's working progress. So Suella Braverman is mm -hmm. um, she's honest and she articulates courageously what her understanding is. I don't feel that it's uh, any anything to be troubled about because all of us learn about different areas at different spaces. She has said what she has felt. She'd had the courage to say it. I hope she has the courage to receive the information and the uh, the knowledge that people will be sending back to her. And um, our community is becoming very passionate at providing feedback to politicians. So perhaps we'll see a rapid evolution. And uh, if we can help um, Suella Braverman to also take the same journey to Damascus that um, uh, Tulsiji has taken, who knows? We, we may see a, a new voice appearing on the Dharmic uh, side. Yes, journey to Kashi, maybe, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I believe I believe that awakening is replacing our, our journey to Mahakal now. <laughs> journey to Mahakal. Yeah. Uh, okay, Bhutiji, I think let's take questions. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, before I go to questions, once again reminding everybody, please like the video, share the video, and of course, please do put your thoughts in the comments section uh, after the video is over. Reminding once again, everybody, that 5th and 6th November, we have our annual festival, the Jaipur Dialogues annual event, 2022. And uh, registrations to just one category, it's called Supreme Category, are still open. So you could, you could just sneak in. So with that, questions. <laughs>